I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 301 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an awesome guest for you today. Adam Busby is the famous dad from the popular reality show Outdoored. He and his wife, Danielle, have six girls, with five of them being the only set of quintuplet girls born in the United States. Adam has spoken openly about his postpartum depression, and it is something that we will discuss during our interview. Today's interview is available on my YouTube channel, so if you would like to watch the conversation between myself and Adam, please visit First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Adam Busby will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And if you missed my interview with John Gosselin on episode 300, you are in a small group. The interview was picked up by the press and has made national headlines. It was featured by People Magazine, Cosmopolitan, E! News, Entertainment Tonight, and many other publications. John, of course, recently had a long-standing gag order removed, which finally gives him the opportunity to speak his truth about the highly publicized divorce from his wife, Kate. So if you missed out on that episode, I highly suggest you flip it back one episode to 300 and take a listen. And make sure you lock it into First Class Fatherhood for Monday. I will be joined here by legendary Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. Gary is one of the all-time greats in the horse racing game. Lock it in also to my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace for all of the other upcoming guest announcements. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with the dad of outdoored Adam Busby. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Why is First Class Fatherhood climbing to the top of the podcasting charts? Listen to what dads like UFC President Dana White, legendary New York City radio host Greg T, and Navy SEAL David Rutherford have to say about the podcast. What a cool podcast. It's one of the coolest ones I've ever did. And congrats, seriously, I mean it. What a cool podcast concept, and uh, I I love it. Good for you, man. Continued success. Dude, I love this podcast, man. Your questions are phenomenal, bro. Phenomenal. I am really happy, and I can tell you honestly, I'm proud to be a part of it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Alec, and and God bless you and what you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, I think the uh, compiling this many fathers and this much great information is going to be invaluable in so many ways. So I, I wish you all the best, brother. So let's go, dads. We are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Subscribe to First Class Fatherhood today. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Adam Busby. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? <laughs> I've got six daughters and they are, so I have an older daughter. Her name is Blake and she is eight years old. And then we have five quintuplet girls that'll be five years old in April. And they are the first set of all girl quintuplets that's ever been born in the United States. Yeah, it's incredible, Adam. What what type of uh, sports or activities are all the girls into? Um, they're really right now. Blake just started um, volleyball, and she's absolutely loving it. We put her through a a camp this past summer, and she just fell in love with it. Um, she's always bouncing the ball off the walls and stuff like that. So um, we just put her into a uh, 
a little rec league. And the quintuplets are just all about dancing and gymnastics and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, that's incredible, Adam. And if you could, please, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Okay, so we, um, we have a television show on TLC called Outdaughtered. Um, it originally started with uh, Danielle and I. We, um, we struggled with infertility. And uh, we went through through that for years, uh, trying to get pregnant with our first daughter, Blake. And uh, finally, it was successful. And, um, you know, we, we had one daughter and, um, you know, just normal parents and went through life uh, for a couple years. And we decided, oh, hey, let's have one more. And so, um, you know, we had to do, go through infertility process. Uh, so she went to uh to her doc her doctor and he told her well let's just do the same exact thing that we did to get pregnant with your first daughter and uh we'll just start from there and so in month two uh we got pregnant with quintuplets and it went over the course of four different ultrasounds where we increased kids every single time we went to the hospital <laughs> and uh, it was uh it was pretty stressful uh just Every time we went, there was more kids in there. And then finally, um, you know, whenever we had down to the realization that we were having four, um, the week prior, the doctor was like, look, you know, don't don't expect there to be four kids in there next time. This is super high risk. And, um, you know, there's just there's way too many things that can happen. Um, they're all in there competing for nutrients and and, you know, and so. You know, we weren't expecting much going into that last ultrasound. And um, and so it was a super early appointment in the morning. And so we had to bring our daughter with us. And so I was getting her situated down in the corner, just putting her on an iPad just so she wasn't, you know, paying attention to what was going on in the room. And then Dan as Danielle was getting up on the table. Uh, and then so we've been through many, many ultrasounds. And so we knew exactly we could read them just as good as a doctor could at that point. And uh, just as he was flipping on the machine, you know, we both saw it. And um, the last egg had split. And so we went from four to five kids. And I immediately just dropped my coffee just because we were not expecting that at all. And uh, Danielle just started laughing. And, you know, that's just it's kind of been how we've addressed everything ever since i mean like we we approach everything with laughter uh just because i mean it's just it's a crazy experience that we're in right now and you know just it gets our house gets extremely stressful it's extremely high stress and you know we just kind of cope through through life and through all the experiences that we have just with you know we just look at each other and you know if kids are all screaming or whatever on, on a daily basis uh, you just look at each other and start laughing. Like, I mean, this is just crazy. We're extremely blessed to be where we're at right now with, with all these girls. And, uh, you know, we just take it a day at a time and, you know, just try to live a life of just joy and just being excited and happy to just have these girls. Yeah, very well said, Adam. And I, I have four children myself and my wife and I have been through several miscarriages and uh, I understand, you know, the, the struggle and some of the, the nerves that go along with the ultrasounds when you're going to the appointments after that. Now, I know you had you had been outspoken about um, suffering from postpartum depression, male postpartum depression. 
what are the differences between that and like what you would say like a normal depression and how was that like diagnosed and how was it treated? Um, you know, it just really came about. I mean, ever since the girls were born, I mean, the changes that we experience in life, uh, just from everything from, you know, just how, you know, how life was just different just between me and my wife, just because like we went from, you know, being parents of one daughter and then all of a sudden like our entire world got flipped upside down. And then now, you know, our entire life was being revolved around just keeping these six kids alive, keeping these six kids healthy. I mean, we went through, you know, three months of being in the NICU and, you know, it was just, it was super stressful and it, you know, it just went from, you know, everything down from, you know, just your interactions with your wife. I mean, like, you know, we had so much time just to go out and do things, you know, it was just one kid and we could go anywhere do anything we wanted and all of a sudden like now like our life is just consumed with just you know the craziness of having quintuplets and you know just these quintuplet newborns in the house and um you know just everything surrounding that and you know just being a dad you know of now figuring out how you're just going to make all this work and you know, how you're going to be able to raise and love and provide for, you know, from one child now to six child children and every single thing in your life, you know, you're having to upgrade, you know, from vehicles to houses to, you know, everything just to adapt to this new life that we have. And, um, you know, so just it kind of just took a toll on me because like, you know, and I'm kind of still, you know, going down that road and just trying to figure it out and like figure out who I am and stuff just because like, you know, you have, you know, just as a dad and as a, just a man being, you know, just who you are and you have your own hobbies and your own life and your friends and stuff like that. And everything just kind of gets pushed aside and put on hold because of what's going on in your home. And, and so it's just it's just been a whole process of just trying to figure out, you know, what our new normal is and, um, you know, just how we're going to make it all work. And, um, you know, it was just that first probably couple years, it was just like a huge just shock to the system. And, um, you know, it was just it was tough. And. Um, just little by little, you know, I feel like just the way that I was, the way that I interacted with people, the way I interacted with friends and stuff, like it just started to change. And, you know, I started to kind of get an idea that like, man, there's something wrong with me. I'm not acting myself. Um, I started to just withdraw from like a lot of things that just like made me happy at the time, even just going to the gym and stuff. Like I just didn't have just the drive and the ambition to just do stuff like that anymore. And, um, you know, Danielle, my wife just started seeing a change and stuff like that. And, you know, we were talking about stuff and throughout, throughout the, this whole process, but, you know, it's just one of those things where like, you know, I've never struggled with any kind of like depression or anything like that. And so like, I didn't really know a whole lot about it. And, you know, 
I feel like people's natural reaction of something that they just don't know about is they're scared of it and they try to hide it and suppress it and push it away and, and hide it from other people. And, you know, so I started to do that. You know, I just try to suppress it and not talk about it and like hide it from people. And, um, and that only made it worse. And it just steadily got worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, over, over the course of probably a year and a half, two years till finally, you know, it just things got to a point where like, you know, Danielle sat me aside and like, uh, pretty much said that, you know, you got to get help. You know, you got to go talk to somebody. You got to figure out what, what's going on. And, uh, so it just started me down this journey of just like going and talking to, uh, church pastors to just other friends. And then later, you know, it was kind of like an all of all the above approach, just talking to from originally starting to talk to a church pastor. He recommended that I actually go speak to a counselor and, um, you know, and then, you know, just as, as I started opening up and talking about it and just getting it off of my chest, uh, that's only whenever I actually saw, started to see progress and started to kind of come out of it a little bit. And, um, and I, you know, even just like accepting it, you know, this is what it is. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm not going to run from it. Um, and just kind of put it out there. It's like, this is what I'm going through. And, um, you know, that's whenever I just felt like I started to get better and, um, and really like turn a corner. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I'm glad that you were able to identify, you know, what the issue was and get some help for it. The only experience I've had in my life, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict. And uh, a big part of getting sober for me was separating myself from the old self and, like, understanding who I am now as a sober person. And like, I went through a period of depression, especially coming off Oxycontin, uh, where I was depressed seriously for a few weeks. And uh, it was hard for me to see myself as a different person because I was so... Uh, locked into the person I was. And I think change in itself brings about a lot of different emotions for us. And I think becoming a dad uh, it makes us uncomfortable in a lot of ways because we experience things that we've never experienced before. And we have to adapt who we are. And, and we definitely go through a lot of changes. And, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, which is true. But you got a little village yourself there. So it, how did how have you been and how have you had um, have you had a lot of help and assistance from family and friends during this whole process? Yeah, so. You know, Danielle and I live about three hours away from where we both grew up, where all of our family was originally from. And so it was it was interesting whenever we first brought all the kids home, uh, just because like my parents, they're back in Louisiana. And, um, you know, now her, both of her sisters and her mom all live here now. But, um, you know, most of my family is still away. Um, but we're very involved in our church. And that was a huge help because, like, our church just, like, stepped up. And, you know, we had a calendar where people just came in, like, on a rotation. And we got, it was the, they called it the care calendar. Um, and, um, you know, so, like, Danielle just put up there. She just put our daily schedule. She, we we're just super militant about the schedule and just keeping the girls on schedule, uh, just to make our life as easy as possible. So like the schedule was up there and people would just like sign their name down. Like, Hey, I'll be here this time. We even had people coming on in the middle of the night, just showing up at our house just to 
hold babies and feed babies and just kind of get through get through the process um you know it was it was about an hour and a half process you know originally whenever we brought them home from you know waking them up to feeding them changing them burping them and putting them back to bed and then within about 45 minutes you're pretty much waking them back up to do it all over again 24 hours a day it was like groundhog day every day and so it was just it was just crazy just the amount of people that we had just like coming through our house obviously all those people had to be vetted and had to have shots because you know all of this stuff with rsv and the flu season and everything like that so um it was just crazy but luckily we were very fortunate just to have so many people from our church coming in and even to this day i mean we have um two ladies from our church that uh pretty much come here every tuesday and they just help with laundry and they play with the girls and do arts and crafts and like sometimes they'll take the girls out and just so danielle and i can just go be normal so danielle can go run run errands or run to the grocery store and just run to the gym and stuff like that so um you know even to this day it's still kind of carrying on yeah that's cool adam and and one thing now, by, by having the reality TV show, you open yourself up, obviously, for a lot of criticism. Today, we call it trolls. A lot of people like to um, talk on social media and just bring people down. Has there ever, ever been any criticism that you've taken to heart and maybe made you uh, make a change and took it seriously? Was there any criticism that had an effect in a positive way? Nothing beats an American flag made in the USA, right? Well, how about an American flag made in the USA by veterans out of duty-worn fatigues from all branches of the military? That is exactly what you get with combat flags. Combat flags are handcrafted from duty-worn fatigues and offer a tangible piece of freedom to the American people. Each flag is accompanied by a professionally designed and printed card that tells the story of service of a soldier, marine, airman, sailor, or coastie who wore the fatigues used to make the flag. They are the real deal, Dad, so what are you waiting for? Visit CombatFlags.com and use the promo code FATHER, and First Class Fatherhood listeners will save 10% off their purchase. Veteran-owned, American-made. CombatFlags.com, promo code FATHER. Has there ever, ever been any criticism that you've taken to heart and maybe made you uh, make a change and took it seriously? Was there any criticism that had an effect in a positive way? <sighs> in a positive way. Um, I mean, honestly, taking criticism from a lot of people that just like have no idea what things are like actually in our house and, um, you know, we, we have taken, I don't necessarily know about with it being criticism or just mainly just helpful advice from, um, you know, other parents that are kind of in our same situation. And, you know, we found, a, you know, some quintuplet and sextuplet groups on social media. Um, parents that have given a lot, a lot of great advice is just how they cope through such situations like that. And, um, you know, other than just like, you know, you're talking about trolls and stuff like that of people online. I mean, yes, like you see, you see comments pretty much on a daily basis from people that just everybody thinks that they can do this life better than we can, even though they're completely not in the same situation that we're in. Um, I think pretty much every single 
especially for the first couple years, you know, being from, you know, not really having any kind of following and just like just having normal friends or whatever to now being exposed to millions and millions of people and, and all this unsolicited advice all over the world. Um, you know, pretty much everything that you get, you kind of just take it in and see, okay, is this criticism valid? And if it is, you know, yeah, you, you do kind of self-evaluate quite a bit. You know, it is, it is hard just constantly getting bombarded by, you know, this advice from people that, you know, aren't necessarily in our situation. Um, but there are a lot of things, a lot of positive things that we take from, you know, older people, you know, um, just everyday situations that, you know, we may come across uh, everything down to just this past week. We were uh, going through a situation with the flu in our house and you know just even just like older people that you know just kind of give advice of just how they kind of came through stuff things that they took things that they precautions that they made you know in their house and stuff like that because um you know six of the eight people in our and i was able to keep it away from me and our older daughter and um i don't know it's just it's always something though it's always something yeah, and like I said, I have four kids myself, and one of the things that I, you know, struggle with or I find challenging sometimes is to make sure that I spend individual time with each one of the four kids because I know how important it is for them. With six of them, you know, for yourself, do you have like a certain time balance where you'll get a chance to spend individual time with the kids, or is that not uh, you're not able to do that? Yeah, we try. We try our best to make that a priority, um, whether it's singling out and taking one kid even if i just have to go run errand and go run to the grocery store or whatnot you know i'll just ask any of the girls hey who wants to come with me and it'll just be kind of like a little date where you know i mean because they don't always get that they're they're always with all their sisters all the time and so um i mean we just look for any possible scenario where we can kind of single one out um and then like every few weeks you know we we try to rotate through the girls and see what what they want to do and you know especially whenever it comes down to birthdays and stuff like that we try not to like lump all them into one big party um you know we see you know what their what their hobbies are what they like individually and try to cater like a special date you know around that daughter and or you know we'll like two years ago we did one-on-one dates where, um, you know, we, we took, we asked them what they wanted to do or what they like, and we made a whole date around that. And it's almost like they're so used to being with each other all the time. They almost felt like weird about it, you know, that they were getting like all this attention. And it was really that they kept talking about their sisters and, you know, how their sisters would like this or their sister would like this part of this date or whatever. So like last year, we uh we did double dates where they picked they picked a sister and um and i think they kind of liked that a lot better because they got to have this experience but also share it with one of their sisters as well and so it's honestly this whole thing and that's kind of danielle and i's mantra is this whole process so it's just like figuring it out it's figuring it out as we go and see you know what works best you know if it is single dates or whatever and you know we'll come you know, certain days and we'll pick up one kid from school and and just take them out and go have lunch or whatever. Or go go do something fun. 
Um, but also like maybe do two that day or, or do three one day or whatever. And just to see just like what works, what they like the most. And, um, you know, just, we're just figuring out as we go and just trying our best. Yeah. That's what we're all doing, Adam. Uh, what about as far as discipline? Uh, are you uh, a spanker, a timeout guy? How do you handle discipline? And who's the bigger disciplinarian, you or Danielle? Um, actually, we're pretty, pretty equal whenever it comes to discipline. Um, sometimes a show doesn't necessarily portray that, but um, you know we do communicate very well, and you know we're always on the same page about discipline. Um, you know, it's just it's one of those things. I mean, we are. I mean, the way that I was raised, you know, I was spanked as a child, and um, I seem to be feel normal uh, this day and age. But, um, you know, having six daughters and having six daughters at the same, you know, all in fairly close to the same stage of life, um, you know, you realize, especially the, with the quintuplets, you realize you know, different forms of discipline work with different kids and different personalities and stuff like that. And, you know, with Blake, she was just a super easy kid. We very rarely have to discipline her. And usually, you know, with Blake and even like a couple of the other quints, uh, it's really just like all they need is like a stern voice and it just like breaks them. And, and then with others, you know, it's, it's either time out or taking something away from them. Um, you know, we've, we've pretty much tried everything and, you know, I don't necessarily think that like spanking works with our kids. I don't know if it's just because of the girls or whatnot, but I mean, really we've, what we've found is time out being, pulling them from a situation and not letting them, you know, get to experience, you know, whatever they're, they're dealing with at the time and taking something from them. Uh, seems to work with our kids and you know, that's, we're going with what works right now. Yeah. And I'll be honest, my, my older three are boys. And then we had my girl, our girl on the fourth try there. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five by now, but we got her. And, uh, so yeah, I definitely discipline a little bit different with her. I, I mean, I did spank my older kids when they were younger, only to a certain age and I found it effective, but I, I have not been able to do that. Uh, with my daughter. So my, 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 my wife is more of the disciplinarian when it comes to my daughter so far. So I'm still trying to strengthen my discipline skills when it comes to my daughter. But um, one thing I'm curious about, uh, Adam, is, you know, I, I think I seen the one video or picture of you guys with the poop emoji, uh, uh, birthday cakes or something like that. Now, now, it's one of the things that makes us all uncomfortable in the beginning is the dirty diapers to get hit with that many at one time. I can only imagine uh, just the odor that had to be going on in your house. So how did you guys kind of handle changing the diapers especially when more than one kid was going you know uh you know shit themselves at one time and you got to make a decision on which one to change and they got to wait in line how did that all work hey i mean you got to wait in line but i mean it was it was crazy and even just we always talk about this with even with our tv crew because like i mean it's not just danielle and i in the house you know at a lot of those times and man in the mornings the mornings were the worst because you know if they would poop in the middle of the night and obviously it's more than one kid in a room and you crack that door open and just Whew. it was horrible like our house oh my gosh it was like soaked into the walls like some days i swear Man. but i mean at one point it was like 60 diapers a day that we were going through and um 
felt like it just always stunk. It seemed like there was always a dirty diaper in the house. Um, it was just funny, like, you know, whenever we'd be go like through diaper changing mode, you're just trying to get from one kid to the next or whatever, and so you just change the diaper and throw it in the corner, and then we'll get to it later. And um, it was just, you just do it as fast as you can and get through it as quick as possible. And it seemed like there was always somebody that needed to be changed, and it never failed. By the time that you got through changing all the diapers, one of them has already, you know, gone again. It was just crazy. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys didn't get, like, a big sponsorship from, like, Yankee Candle or something like that, you know? <laughs> know. Uh, you, you know, I've seen some reports there. I don't, I don't know how true that they are, Adam, as well. Were you guys ever considering having more kids via adoption? And if you did, would you consider it being a boy this time? We have never, and I don't think we will ever, close the door on that. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, we're, we're always just kind of leave ourselves open to it. And, you know, if there's ever something that comes up in our life uh, where, you know, one day that, you know, we see a need for it and, you know, right now things are a little bit chaotic, but, you know, as the girls get a little bit older, um, you know, we'll never shut the door on that fully. It probably would be a boy just because, you know, we don't have a boy, but, um, you know, that's just one thing that we've always thought about and we've always just kind of let our, left ourselves open to and um, always just left as a possibility. Yeah, and, and you know what I'm curious too, Adam, is just because the, the kids, have all, all the girls have kind of grown up on TV. Their, their, their whole life has been the subject of a reality show, it, almost kind of like, um, like a Truman show in a sense. Do you have any kind of concerns or, or is there a point where you, say, where you guys will say, hey, enough is enough here. We got to take the cameras away from the kids or uh, have you discussed that, I would imagine? Yeah, I mean, it's just something that we, we constantly think about. Um, there's certain things that we've even changed, you know, over the last couple seasons, even just with Blake and being on camera and stuff. You know, obviously we're just trying to figure things out and do the best we can as we go. Um, and... You know, even certain things about just how the show is shot and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's some stuff that you just can't really get too much into. Um, but even just figuring out, like, you know, certain days or whatever, Danielle, I mean, Danielle, Blake gets home from school and, you know, she's just a kid and, you know, she didn't necessarily sign up for this. And so, you know, we realized, you know, if, you know, she's having a bad day or she just wants to like zone out and relax or whatever and go up to her room. Um, we let her do that. Uh, we're, we're never going to be in a situation where we're, we're forcing our kids to be on camera. Um, and we've kind of, uh, made some changes along the way as far as just like how, how we film in the house and how things are going in the house. And, you know, and we've kind of put it on them. If they don't want to be in the cam in front of the camera that day, they don't have to. And, and we're okay with that. Our TV crew's okay with that. The network's okay with that. And, um, you know, it's just, I mean, we're just constantly figuring it out as we go. And um, we just never want to get in a situation where, you know, this is unfun for our kids or we're forcing them into something that they don't want to do. And we're constantly asking them about it. And, I mean, a lot of days, whenever, on days that we're not even filming, um, you know, we'll be playing in the backyard or whatever, and the girls will ask, like, you know, and they'll name crew members' names or whatever, and they're like, hey, where are they at? Like, why aren't they here today? <laughs> whatever. I mean, because they've been with them so long. I mean, it is the crew members in our house are really like family. 
And because they see them just as much, if not more than a lot of family members. And so, you know, they have become family to them. And, you know, there is a trust involved with the people that we have in our house. And um, it's a really it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, very cool, Adam. And we're about a month into the new decade here. What kind of uh, goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? Um, right now, um, you know, we have a couple businesses that we're trying to focus on right now before we uh, really get too much into um, an upcoming season of the TV show. We're just, um, Danielle was actually in Dallas the last couple of days, um, just trying to get a lot of stuff nailed down. And um, we have a couple businesses online, um, online boutiques and stuff like that. We're trying to get situated and, and really just kind of be like a well old machine that just run. And so, you know, we've been focusing on that. Uh, Danielle and I are just constantly trying to, you know, make our marriage a priority and just looking like tonight we're actually going to go to dinner and leave the girls at home um, just because that is so important to us uh, as far as just how we can just constantly be focusing on ourselves as a couple um, just because we know that if our marriage isn't okay, the girls aren't okay. And, um, you know, that's their stability is seeing mom and daddy still love each other and still, you know, spend time with each other and stuff like that. So, um you know, another thing is just like really this year, um, you know, just through some conversations that I've had with other friends and stuff, um, you know, I have felt like, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I used to be involved in. I used to, you know, hobbies that I used to have, things that I used to do that like I just don't do anymore. So this is one of those years where, you know, I'm just taking some time out and to really like focus for myself, like, you know. I'm a creator. I love taking photos. I love doing videography work and stuff like that. But a lot of the stuff that I've been doing lately has been kind of revolved around our family and stuff. I'm going to really start to uh, focus on myself and do some creating and stuff like for me and um, kind of bring some of that joy back into, you know, things that I love. And, um, you know, because I'm not just a dad, you know, I am, you know, a man that just wants to get some fulfillment out of life and get some joy out of things that I like to do. And, um, you know, so just trying to figure out how all that works right now. Yeah, that's awesome, Adam. And and the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Um, don't be afraid. Just jump in there and get your hands dirty. I mean, that was, that was the biggest thing that I took away from, you know, having th- having five kids in the NICU. Um, you know, it was terrifying at first. And the kids were so small right from the very start, you know, whenever they were born at two pounds. Obviously, our situation has been very extreme from a lot of other people's. Um, but it was just one of those things like, you know, just don't be afraid. I mean, this is your child. Don't be afraid to just jump in there. And just be involved as much as possible to help your wife as much as possible. And, you know, every now and then I do come across, like, other dads that almost think it's not cool to be a great dad and just to not be that present or whatever. And uh, I just think it's silly. I mean, I looked at, I look back at, like, how, how my dad was with me. And, you know, my dad was always present. My dad was always there whenever I was um, playing soccer, playing t-ball, baseball, and stuff like that. He was always my coach. He was always there. He was always um, the guy that, 
you know, was just present with me. And, you know, I look up to that and I see that as a model for the dad that I want to be and just like be present with your child and, um, you know, just be there for them. And, you know, it's cool to be a dad. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Adam Busby, you are a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood. Thanks for having me. I was glad I, glad I could make it. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Adam Busby for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it into the podcast for Monday. I will be joined by legendary Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. He is a three-time Kentucky Derby winner. He's won all the big races. He's just a legendary name in the sport. Don't miss out on that one. And please... Uh, lock it into my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace so you can find out all of the upcoming guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.